Welcome to Noahala, the podcast, highlighting the voices, experiences, and reflections of African diasporans reconnecting to Africa. I am Gaima, and it's my intention to bridge the gap between the African and the African diasporan through the story shared by my guests and myself. We could learn a lot together. It's time to level up. It's no wahala. <sighs> Returning to Africa. The first visit home, it doesn't happen for everyone. Sometimes death arrives first. Let's just be honest. Life is not guaranteed. And there are many people who gain the opportunity and um, take advantage of the opportunity to leave their respective African country to go overseas and uh, you know, pursue a more fruitful life, whether it is temporary, maybe going for school or work opportunity, or, you know, long-term to build um, in a different country. There's a lot of reasons why people leave, and um, many, many don't return. Sometimes death is the reason. Um, life happens, and one thing that we all know is that we'll die. And there are times where um, illness arrives, um, you know, circumstances beyond anyone's control. And so there are a lot of people that don't come back, right? However, there's a different aspect, a lot of scenarios that maybe some of you um, are aware of in which um, depending on the paperwork that you use to leave the country, it doesn't protect you so that if you come back to your country, you can't return. Um, that's what's definitely considered immigration issues. You know, um, maybe a health condition takes a hold. Um, but most importantly, one that I really want to unpack is fear. Fear of returning due to jealous relatives. Um, the, the African family dynamic, um, you know, I hate to generalize, but I think in this case I have, um, the right to, and I think many Africans, regardless of the country, uh, can either relate or know someone, uh, intimately that can relate to this, this type of dynamic. Um, the African family is very layered, um, and um, it, it is comprised of a very close community. I think many are aware of the um, African uh, parable um, or saying it, it takes a village to raise a child. Um, that is definitely a belief that is exercised among many cultures on the continent. Um, and that actually uh, breeds a competitive environment. Um, you have family dynamics, some that are um, 
polygamous, in which there's a, a head of the household, father, and the father has at least two wives, um, if not more, and each of these wives has children. Um, you have situations in where uh, there is a monogamous uh, relationship with mother and father, but um, due to um, the levels of uh, income earned by that household, they can afford to support maybe a niece or a nephew from a direct relative's family. And so in addition to taking care of their own children, they, in a sense, adopt um, a direct relative to take care of as well. Um, and, you know, in, in addition to all of that, there's a lot of mixtures of religions and beliefs. You may have, in fact, um, a husband and wife where one is uh, Muslim and the other one is Christian. Um, you may have a relative that comes to stay who practices indigenous spiritual beliefs um, that are completely different from the belief system that is practiced by the rest of the family, the, the main family that resides in that household. Um, and so with all of these complex layers and more, which I haven't even mentioned, um, it breeds for a competitive environment. Everyone wants to achieve, everyone wants to succeed um, because no one wants to fail, right? Um, of course, there's anomalies, but generally speaking. And because of that, you know, there's times where um, in the recent past, there's opportunities for one relative to go abroad and study um, and the others are not um, afforded that same opportunity, whether quote unquote, they deserve it or they don't, you know, at the end of the day, one person is leaving and the others are staying. That creates um, an environment that can breed jealousy. And so if you are somebody who is in that particular scenario, and it's now been, you know, five years, let's say, and you have a parent that, you know, may be ill or whatever, and it's required that you come home. There's a, a heavy feeling that probably resides in your stomach of how do you go home and deal with all of these other relatives. Of course, you want to see your mom and or father, you know, siblings, etc. But what if one of those siblings has expressed over the past several years that they're very angry and bitter um, with you? How do you walk into that? That keeps a lot of people from coming back to their motherland. Um, there are cases that I've heard of where people have been gone for over 40 years and have no intention on returning because they're fearful of their relatives. They believe that they will be poisoned um, or something along those lines through food, um, maybe attacked physically. You know, they just don't feel safe. And it's really, really unfortunate to be in a position where you don't feel safe, 
to return to your motherland. How do you return to your motherland if that's the scenario and you don't have the option to just avoid? How do you return to such a complicated environment and, you know, be in a position where you can provide for everyone a gift or some sort of monetary um, token of, of gratitude for them just being family? How do you do that? Especially if you're not rich in the country in which you now reside. Most people don't want to admit that they're surviving themselves in those countries that they now, you know, are um, residents of or possibly citizens of. They don't want to be honest with the fact that, you know, they're working minimum wage or slightly above, um, or they're making decent money, they went to school, they're educated, but, you know, they've got competing um, obligations, bills, loans to be paid back, etc. And they are also still trying to travel and have enough money to um, gift to family that they haven't seen in years. That's a really tough battle to, to face and overcome. And it's extremely hard to communicate that to people who actually have less than you. But I think it's possible. It's hard, it's difficult, but it's possible. There are a few things that I recommend. Number one, you can't do it all, and you need to know that. Do your best, prioritize, assess, you know, communicate with you know, the, the relative that you know and you trust back home and say, this is my situation, all honesty. This is what I would like to do. You know, who should I prioritize? How do I handle distribution of monies? you know, or gifts, etc. Come up with a plan. You can do that. And ensure that you come from a place of honesty and transparency. It's important that you are honest with yourself, with your family, and, you know, just be transparent. Be completely honest. One of the things that frustrates me the most are JCs um, in my country, Sierra Leone, that means just come, or the group of individuals that are from another country, you know, uh, roots of course to Sierra Leone, but live abroad, have lived there for years, or maybe they were born there and this is, you know, a, a visit where they know that they're just here for a short period of time. They're called JCs. And more times than not, JCs show up and they show out. And they're not really being genuine about how they are really living. You know, they'll save up thousands of dollars, work two, three jobs, because they know in that particular year they plan to travel back home. Come back, they stunt on everybody, show off, brag, give out things as if they're, you know, making millions. And they spend every last dime, they get back to the respective country dead broke and have to really start to figure out how they're gonna earn income and get back to a, I guess, a comfortable um, monetary state. Many, many people do that. It's not necessary. 
I really don't think so. I think it is necessary if you can to do, bring, you know, but to stunt and go overboard, max out credit cards, come on. Who are you fooling? Because it will catch up to you one way or another. Be honest. In addition to that, you know, take your meds. Malaria is real. Take your meds. Um, it's most important to be, to be healthy here when you're traveling. Don't um, put yourself in a position where you have to depend on medical facilities when you're out of your own home country. It's just not a good idea. Um, so take your meds, watch what you eat, and watch where you eat. The fact of the matter is there are places wherever you travel, whether it's in Africa, in Europe, whatever, wherever, Asia, where the water systems and what your body is used to, it's not the same there. For example, you don't even have to travel outside of, let's say, the U.S. Within the U.S., you know, the water filtering system is, you know, excellent, etc. If you go up into the countryside and they only have well water, it's probably not a good idea for you to drink well water because your body is not used to it you may want to consume bottled water. It's no different as far as that concept. It's the same concept here in Africa. So you gotta make sure that you are careful and cognizant of what you're drinking and eating and, and keep things consistent so that you don't fluctuate in what you're consuming and open yourself up to unnecessary um, sickness and illness. Um, it's also very important that you watch who cooks for you. There are two aspects to that. There's an aspect of just um, standards of cooking, you know, the different processes used. And then there's absolutely a spiritual aspect. When we look at the standards, you know, hygiene differs from country to country community to community, where you may have a community that they, uh, vig they're they vigilant with hand washing and things of that nature. You may have a community where for them hand washing is just water. D depending on your cook and what they choose to do versus what your stomach is used to, that can easily ruin your day if you're eating from somebody who's, um, who's hygiene practices differ vastly from what you're used to. So that's one aspect to be very cognizant of. If that means you need to just buy bagged snacks in a local convenience store until you get to, you know, a restaurant or get home, you know, so be it. Um, there, then there's the aspect of spirituality. You know, I mentioned, um, different family dynamics where there's a mix of religions and beliefs. There are, that can affect the process and how people cook for you. And if you aren't sure of the person who is cooking for you and you don't have confidence in all of what they do and how they think and how they believe and how they prepare food, you know, that can create a disaster for you as far as illness, um, and, and things along that nature. So 
Be mindful. It is very important to watch what you eat and to watch where you eat and who is cooking for you. And, you know, above all else, you know, be sincere and be respectful. My grandmother always used to say, respect pas fool, which means I would rather you respect me than you feed me. People make the assumption, I think, that everybody in the family is out to get them and see how much they can get from them and things of that nature. And yes, you'll have family members that are like that. Um, but there are family members who really are just genuinely happy to see you, care about you, want the best for you, and just want to connect with you. Be respectful. If you are disrespected, then take your distance. Don't match them in disrespect because it doesn't do anything. It just creates more negativity. You know, be sincere. However you really feel, you know, it's important that you express that. If somebody has said or done something to you that's offensive, you know, find a way to respectfully communicate that. If somebody has, you know, done something for you unexpectedly, find a way to communicate your appreciation with sincerity. Don't take people for granted, especially since you don't want them to take you for granted. I think overall people, they just operate from a space of fear. And, you know, maybe the, the um, result of being fearful is then, you know, putting yourself into a state of isolation. The isolation, you know, it ends up creating resentment amongst family where it's just not necessary. It's a perfect bra uh, breeding ground for jealousy and you know, it can be avoided. Doesn't mean you need to, you know, put yourself in a, an environment where you're easily accessible and people are knocking on your door day in and day out and draining you. You have to protect yourself, self-care first and foremost. But um, if you've come to travel to see your people, allow yourself to see them and be seen, you know? Structure your, your visit so that it makes sense for you, you know, but don't isolate yourself unnecessarily. You, you just don't know what blessing you could be missing. Um, me personally, um, my fallback and fall forward is always to just pray, you know, I'm always praying, asking God for protection, and everyone is entitled to their own beliefs. You know, I recommend it um, because I know that it has worked and is working for me. I can remember years ago, I woke up one morning scared to death because I dreamt this dream that was just so vivid and so um, emotionally charged and I described the dream to one of my friends at the time and you know she called her mom because you know that's just what she does and her mom referenced that I pick up my Bible and read Psalm 91 
And I read Psalm 91 and I felt so much better because I read my dream. The way that Psalm 91 is written is legitimately what I dreamed of myself. It's important to pray and be spiritual and, and be active in being faith, having faith. You never will know all of what you will face. You just can't. I mean, maybe a psychic, you, you know, whatever. That's not me, I'm not a psychic. Um, and so I operate from a space of faith. And I encourage any of you listening who are apprehensive about returning to Africa to activate your faith. I am Gaima, and you've been listening to No Wahala, the podcast. I hope you are inspired to deepen your connection to Africa through the story shared by my guests and I, the African diasporans in Africa. Follow No Wahala on your favorite podcast streaming platform today. Comment, rate, and share. We could all learn from each other. For more, visit us at iamgaima.com backslash no wahala.